Welcome to Headshots by Peggy Presents, a weekly podcast designed to encourage, inspire, and educate people in the industry. Our host, Peggy, is the most industry-savvy headshot photographer I know. She shares insights and interviews top industry professionals. New episodes every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Welcome to Headshots by Peggy Presents. I'm Peggy and I'm here with my friend, Kevin E. West. He is the business of showbiz guy. He's the SAG-AFTRA guy. He's just the guy. So I'm super excited to hang out with you today, Kevin. I think that you've been on enough and we know each other enough that this is probably dangerous territory, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, well, that's why they have it post-production. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So what are we going to talk about today, Kev? Uh, it's Can not I my fault. Kev? I always tell people, like, if I introduce myself as Peggy, don't freaking call me Peg. And I just called you Kev, and I don't think I've ever done that before. A lot of people call me Kev. I get a lot of different kind of names. That's That was a little awkward. I don't even know what happened. I get, you know, East, West, Kevin E, uh, K-E-W, I get Q. I, I, I got all kind of nicknames. So I really honestly don't worry about it anymore. Don't worry about it. All right. Well, Kevin, what would we like to talk about today? I don't know. It's your show. Well, I know, but you always have interesting things happening in your life. I mean, obviously, I want to talk about the business of show business because I feel like actors get so caught up in the actor's process that they forget that this is a career and they need to treat it like a career and that acting classes isn't going to help them on set and it's definitely not going to help them live their life and make a career out of it. So we can start yeah. where we want. I mean, I, th I think that honestly, in that conversation, Peggy, I, th I, I'm, we do this as actors in process, we do it in life. And I think it's, you know, it goes back to being a kid, right? When someone said, why is the sky blue? I think you always have to ask why. And when you ask the question of why we don't like the business and we don't, uh, I'm a Pisces, I, I don't necessarily like it either. Uh, so you have to sort of get down to white as we want to immerse ourselves in the craft. Well, we, we got into doing this because we wanted to play in the sandbox. We wanted to pretend. So there's no, there's no natural draw to wanting to mess with what is honestly known as the business. And the other part is, is that we all either know someone or we've read an article or two out of the history of Hollywood, which isn't a ton. But you have two things that sort of come out of Hollywood sometimes. One is nepotism, and the other one is you read a story about someone who was just doing the craft. They were just doing their art, and they got plucked from something and placed in something. And while I completely respectfully understand why we all would like that to be the case, that we go from absolute anonymity to uh, absolute working all the time and potentially, ah, yeah, exactly. Uh, my question is always, or my statement is always, if that happens to you, we won't be having this conversation. If it doesn't happen to you, since it doesn't happen to 99.4% of the people who choose to get a headshot printed or made, then what are you going to do? And I mean, if you want to stay mired in either mediocrity or no actor activity, at some point you have to address the business, but it doesn't mean we like it. It's like going to the dentist only like a hundred times worse. I, I can agree with that. I'm a creative as well. And I, I was, it was brought to my attention 
um, I don't know, eight, nine years ago that, um, that I didn't have a business. I had a hobby and I was quite offended by it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I thought I've been making a living at this. This is what pays my bills. And I've been doing this full time for you know decades. And uh, they continued to point out that I was doing it as a hobby um, and I just happened to be lucky. And it really made me take evaluation of my business and realize that as hard as it was to admit, they were right. I was not running my career as a business. I was running it like, hey, this is fun. Let's go party. Let's go take pictures. And I think a lot of actors do the same thing because when you love what you do, that's the natural thing is to do only the parts of it that you love, but there's more to it. Well, I, yeah, Peggy, and also, I mean, you know, with all respect to to everybody who's a human, uh, the truth of the matter is the way we grow up in this country, we tend to link um, either thoughts of a profession or desires for some sort of a hobby or a skill set. We tend to make them hobbies if they're not something that are paralleled in some sort of learning culture or learning format and then higher learning format. So, I mean, I'm sure there are high schools around the country somewhere or charter school, private schools. I'm sure there are some of those somewhere that talk to 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old about being a professional photographer. But quite frankly, I doubt very many. And while there are tons of schools that you can spend money on in higher learning facilities and universities regarding being an actor, then also look at what percentage of their curriculum actually involves legitimate today, real world, 21st century business of Hollywood truth. So that's going to be an almost no. And then also back that down to high school. We're not groomed mentally, psychologically. We don't include any practicality in the concept of being an artist in front of a camera, uh, you know, much less on, on stage, associated with making money from the time we're younger, when we're doing it in certain musical instruments, we're doing it in sports, we're doing it in every other career or industry, orientation day, career day, whatever. So again, I... I cut my fellow community a lot of slack to a point. But if you're going to move to a marketplace like Los Angeles, if you're going to choose to pursue this in any one of the four larger markets in this country, be it Chicago, New York, Atlanta, Miami, Dallas, maybe San Francisco, uh, and you're not going to take it more seriously mentally, then eh, let's sling some stuff and see what happens then I, I, I'm going to probably recommend you just treat it as a hobby. Your, your mental health may be better for it. And you made a really valid point. Our school systems are based on training us to be factory workers. And that's, that's what public school system is about. It's not about entrepreneurialism. It's not about creative, you know, things like this. We are taught as young people that, acting and theater and photography those are outlets like you go do a job that makes money and you do this on the weekend as fun so even if it's not 
necessarily said subconsciously it's ingrained in us that you know it's not a real job um and so that's yeah. that's i think what needs to be changed is if you're going to take this serious you need to know that this is your real job and you need to treat it like a real job is that i mean i think that kind of sums it up yeah it's it's hard to do and unfortunately i think at this point in in the world we live in today at the moment in you know moving into starting the third decade of this century and with all of the technology and devices and platforms and ways to do what we call in our actual contracts exhibition that's how we phrase something being released something being shown something being seen and the way we simply view content which is it's not a blurred line to me it's a blurred line out there in the universe in that being a content creator somehow is a person who stands around with their phone in a bikini on TikTok. Um, and while, yes, you can define it as that, it, it doesn't really have a lot to do with, with the scripted profession, per se. Um, it, it certainly could plausibly get you a principal role on a union commercial. That's certainly plausible. Um, but because of that, I think the idea of any form of adherence or discipline or career-minded structure, I could use all sorts of phrases as it pertains, have simply been vastly diluted in the last 11 years since 2010. And I don't know that it's going to alter. And yet, the irony in that for me, Peggy, is, is that yet when we watch award shows and we go, oh my God, the crown, it's so fabulous. Do you actually really believe those people don't work? You actually believe they sort of take this as a hobby, people right. in the crown. They don't. It's actually quite serious. And so we still view the results, understanding that it's a profession and that it's an art that's a profession that requires all sorts of elements on top of being really tremendous at your craft. And yet the much larger percentage of people in America uh, would never equate that award with what they're not doing and so you know it, it's a bit of a non sequitur it's a bit of an oxymoron um it's a bit of a paradox i used all three of those in case one of them's accurate or makes sense to anybody watching uh but it's a challenge and then you know the other part of that is is the the people who are often scammed the most are parents and they're the ones who typically when you're younger help sort of form that mind of being a doctor or a lawyer or going into advertising or and so they don't really have, uh, unless they have history in the business, they don't have a lot of tools to try and assist with shaping someone's psychology as schools do in every other profession. So it's, it's yeah. a bit of a challenge. That's, that's very valid points all the way around. I, I agree 100%. Um, so how I, I feel, I, I have this, this thing where I like, a lot of people want to say, well, I wasn't raised that way, or my parents didn't do this, or this didn't happen for me, or I was in an abusive relationship, or blah, 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 all the excuses. Um, but I'm kind of in the mindset that, yeah, but you're a grown up now. So you get to make your own decisions about your life. So even though we may not have those basic foundations, um, there comes a point where when you decide this is what you want to do, that you get to stand up 
and put your big person panties on and go out and make it happen for you. You go out and find the education that you need. You go out and seek out people like Kevin E. West that has amazing books and, and classes and all of these amazing things teaching you how to be a successful actor in the business. So I feel like, I mean, we can sit around all day and talk about why people don't know things, but bottom line, you get to a specific age and it's kind of on you. I, that's, that's, Oh, I, I think that specific age is probably much younger than you're even giving it credit for. And again, listen, I, there are plenty of people who grew up in a much worse situation than I did. Um, but yeah, I had a completely unsupportive household. I had a single parent home and a parent that wasn't ever around that I didn't really get along with. So I raised myself from about the age of 12. And at, at some point, yeah, whatever it is you want to do or whatever you're going to do, uh, you know, at some point you're going to have to decide that that's what you want to do. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't get in my car and drive across the country. Again, it's an athlete's mentality. Uh, I, I didn't, I, I saw a lot of people leave at the time. I, I briefly started my career in Atlanta back when Atlanta wasn't what it is today, although it still had work in it. Um, but I saw a lot of people just in two years living in Atlanta who left and came back inside of two years. Wow. That's not even junior college, much less for you. I mean, and, yeah. and so, you know, when I got in my car, Peggy, I, it, as, as cocky as it may sound, uh, I, I'm staying away from arrogant because I, I don't think it was an arrogant thought. I worked hard for those two years in Atlanta, but I, I didn't come out to Los Angeles to give it a shot. Now, there's no doubt that because I'm not household name, I still have not achieved what I got in the car to come out to California for. But having built a pension and a career and a life, um, I didn't come out to, to I, I, I was going to figure out how to book jobs in this business come hell or high water. And that was just well, the mentality that I had. I mean, you've done a lot of stuff, Kevin. Let's be honest. You have had a fantastic career and are still working all the time. Um, and I love that you um, you get these awesome jobs. Like, yeah, I'm going to be in Hawaii for two weeks. I'm going to shoot like two days and golf the other, you know? So, you, you know, you can't complain about where you are. And I get it. Everybody always wants, you know, to be better than-, than Oh, but I've read for Magnum PI twice and I haven't booked yet. Damn it, I want to go over again. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm speaking it for you. You're going to get that Magnum. Wouldn't it be fun if you and Mary booked the same episode and we could oh, yeah. just all hang out in Hawaii for a couple of weeks? Um, that would be a blast. <laughs> throwing that out there. Um, but anyway- um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing what, you know, your life, just listening to the story, the little tidbits here and there, I'm like, Jesus, this guy has got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and you've had a really amazing career in life. And that didn't just come because you showed up to LA. This came because you worked at it. You decided I'm going to succeed and I'm going to do, put in the time and I'm going to put in the effort and I'm going to do the work and make this happen. Yeah, I busted my butt. Yeah. Period. Exactly. Period. And sure. I'm sure even though you've never told told a story like this, you've never complained, but I'm sure there were a day or two where there was nothing in the fridge and you had to make some ramen noodles because you were going to make this work no matter what. I'm just a guessing. Day or I two? Be, I could be a way day off. Or two? <laughs> uh, I sold Firestone coupons door to door. 
I did telephone sales for what I found out later was almost an illegal newspaper. Um, I worked part-time at a law firm in Century City. Uh, I drove uh, nothing special and um, lived in a studio apartment. Um, yeah, and on top of all that, I, when you put yourself out there, which is one of the reasons why sometimes we don't, uh, you get your teeth kicked in. Yeah. And I made some associations early on into my time in Los Angeles, and I made a couple of poor decisions, and some of those people were way, way up in the business. And I basically burned myself with them in, per uh, you know, in perpetuity, along with a lot of their friends. And so there was a time in the first three years in Los Angeles that I almost uh, left very close. That so, happens to all of us. It happens to everyone. I, 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 you know, people get this this fairy tale idea that they're going to come to LA, they're going to work at Starbucks, and this major director is going to come in and buy a coffee and go, "Oh my God, will you be my next star in my movie?" And that's just, I think you have a better chance of being hit by lightning like fifteen times in a row than that happening to you. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. It's not the way it. I maybe back in the sixties, but it's that's not how it works. I mean, now. it happens. It's just extraordinarily rare. I, the two instances that I can think of, and both of them are ancient at this point. Uh, one of them is Alexander Payne discovering Chris, Chris Klein. I believe it was for the movie Election. I believe it was. In, I want to say Nebraska, but Nebraska may not be accurate. Nebraska, Oklahoma, something in that general sector. And then another one was Oliver Stone, which wouldn't have been a surprise based on the movie. It, it was one of his not so successful. I can't even think of the name right now. They shot it up in Northern California, but it was one of his not so successful later films about Southeast Asia and, and the war it wasn't platoon. And, you know, basically plucked some gal out of the middle of nowhere that no one knew and put two or three successful names around her. But she was a complete unknown. I mean, it does occur. Uh, but again, yeah, I mean, it's you're starting to get into pretty ugly super lotto numbers uh, for, right. for, for that to be the thing that is your career strategy. I mean, that's all I'm saying. I mean, that can always be your backup plan, but I think you should have a strategy. I Maybe think the fourth that, backup hey, plan, yeah. you know, Hey, backup plan, somebody's going to walk in and just, you know, scoop me up, but, but realistically, let's have a plan. Um, I'm always talking about strategy marketing. I mean, there's so much involved and you, you don't have control over what um, roles you book. You don't even have control over what roles you get to audition for, but you do have control over the time that you spend perfecting your craft, the way you market yourself, the way you show yourself to people, the way you make relationships and, and build relationships and don't screw up relationships right. and things like that. Those are things that you do have control over. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, there's a, again, there's a sort of a paradox occurring in Los Angeles Today, uh, I said it uh, not, maybe not 30 years ago, but probably 25 or 26 years ago when speaking at the Actors Network, it took me three or four years in Los Angeles and part of it was due to sort of what I experienced um, that Hollywood is predicated on paranoia. It always will be. That's why you see 
you know, a movie like Armageddon come out and then within a month you see Deep Impact and you see Independence Day. That's, that's predicated on, oh gosh, they're doing this for a summer blockbuster. We, the other studio, have to do something somewhat like it uh, or we'll be left behind. And, you know, that transcends all of Hollywood. But in today's world, one of the things that has changed, that tech, digital technology changed that Hollywood was protected from in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s was distribution. And because of digital content, digital platform now, I make a joke, you know, I, I, I was a kid. We didn't see Star Wars at home for like seven, eight years after it came out in the theater. And now an Oscar-nominated movie is on your plane two months after the Oscars. Yeah. So that time crunch, and now obviously especially today, we've gotten the whole world down to this gig economy mentality. Don't get me started on antitrust laws and the fact that, you know, five or six media companies own everything. But back in the day, you might be able to get away with somebody not being skilled or trained on a set. But because of the massive flip that we've seen in the last 20 years between feature films being made, studio feature films. Mm -hmm. When I moved to LA in the late 80s, there were 370 studio, studio feature films made a year. Now there's about 62. Wow. Back then there were 100 TV shows and we had movie of the weeks. And now we have 430 television shows. But here's the irony in a television show. The budgets are so tight. There's so little room for error that while they may try to hire somebody who's a YouTuber or who's a TikToker, the problem is our craft comes down to two parts. It comes down to the artistic instrument part, and then it comes down to the technical ability to understand where your key light is and how you hit a mark while also looking at the actor. All of those things, they don't have time for someone to learn that shit on the job anymore. And so this is part of the challenge. They'll try to hire some of them, but unless they boom, right out of the gate become Dwayne The Rock Johnson, they don't have the time and the money to let somebody be able to sort of work their way through like Rob Lowe did or in his early days. And I, I love Rob Lowe, but the bottom line was the guy Isn't was- is so he like 20 years old now? I just saw him and he, I'm sure he looks 20 years old still. <laughs> he, um, I'm sure you're watching Oxford Blues. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, he basically was, he was such an iconic visual kind of in the Brad Pitt vein like early on, he basically got to learn how to act on camera and get paid for it over across the course of four or five movies. I mean, nothing against him. It's just what he got. That doesn't really exist a lot in the economy of film and television that works today. Uh, and that's the one thing that sort of defies a little bit of this belief that I can just sort of, nah, you know, I got some content and a thing and a platform and a whatever, and, you know, I'll get a series out of it. I'm like, okay, but are you going to actually be able to handle doing the series from a memorization standpoint? It's not improv and also all the technical point. And, you know, you've talked a lot about it, Peggy, I know in, on both Clubhouse and other places as it's a common popular subject these days to wind up discussing self-tapes because it rules our life. It's why yeah. here in my third bedroom, I now have, you know, lights and shit and a drop and 14 ring things and a whoop-de-doo and a laptop holder and all that crap we've all gotten in the last 15 months. 
But what casting is encountering is what you already know. People can sit in their house with a friend on FaceTime or whatever. For 10 hours. And, and do, do it 12 times, 14 times. They get hired and they can't do it on set. And so that's a self-tape today now thing coupled with what I'm saying juxtaposed to the economy and the reality of doing a TV series versus a feature film. And there's a lot more of those now. So the, the demand, I, I think slowly but surely, we are going to finally in the next couple of years, we'll really start, which is cool. We'll really parse out the lanes between, you know, what is kind of a personality content wise versus someone who's got a skill set on a podcast or an actual skill set as a content creator versus a legitimate trained scripted actor. Um, I, I do think it'll shake out over time, but it's like everything else, man. For we, we tend to, in art, we tend to take the bucket of paint and just sling it up on the wall and try a couple other things till we figure out what sticks and looks good. And that's just kind of what we're going through. And you made, you made a point. Um, they don't want you to come on set and figure out how to act. You need to already look like you belong on TV before you get there. The director's job is not to teach you how to be an actor. The director's job is simply to give you small directions and instructions, not to teach you how to act. You already have to know that before you get there. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, television is, as they used to say, the same as the the assembly line in Detroit making cars. Um, the biggest, the biggest compliment you can get as a guest actor on a TV show is that they all applaud you when you're done and no one had to say a word to you. And that's actually really hard for us. We don't like that. We actually feel like that if someone's talking to us, it means we're doing well. Um, no, actually, when you're trying to get a television show shot, they'd really prefer not to have to direct you too much. They, they, right. they just want to get it done. Uh, if you're not one of the series regulars. And so that's another thing that, you know, that we get in the bad habit of between student films and or all the short projects to get done now, again, because of digital technology, because, you know, as um, Kevin's favorite Kevinism, you know, just because something's possible doesn't make it a good idea. Yes, you can go out and shoot some stuff on your phone. It doesn't mean you should. Um, <laughs> but because we now are able to surround ourselves commonly in the same environment as shooting something without any pressure or whatever we get very comfortable that our friends cut us slack and our buddies cut us slack and then all of a sudden you wind up on a real world set even if you're just there for a one-day guest and you only have six lines which would have been called a co-star back in my day uh and all of a sudden you're not with your pals Nobody cutting you any slack. Unless there's a plane flying over or something else happened or somebody dropped a latte in the middle of the take, they expect you to get it in one. Max two, or you are now a problem child. And so it's, you know, that gets up into Cabeza. You know, a director comes and goes, hey, listen, we got to get this shot now. And again, they'll get it. Because what they'll do is they go, okay, cool, cut, great, we got it. And then when you see the actual show, they cut to the other person you're working with when you're talking. Yeah. And you lose your coverage because you didn't dial it in. Yeah. 
And if you believe that that doesn't go back to the casting office, oh, yes, it does. It actually goes back to the casting office while you're shooting, not when the show is over. Yeah. Why'd you send us this person? What the heck? Yeah. I mean, you know, they casting, you know, ha has a small hand in that person being a, put up for the job. But, you know, at the end of the day, the producers are the ones in television who make the decision. Director probably has a little bit of influence, depends on who they are. But for the most part, as you said, directors in television are trying to get the show in. Uh -huh. They have seven and a half, eight days to get, you know, it depends on whether or not two or three cameras, whether it's A camera to B and a C camera. Um, that's how they get them done. And it's not that they're not trying to make art, but the bottom line is it's not a feature film. We're not, we don't have a, you know, 17 or a 21 day shoot span. And if we go over a couple of days, it's cool. It's like, that's not how television works. Television yeah. has a permit for a location or a thing, or they're on a, they're on a, a, a stage that's on the lot that's rented and they have a schedule of the entire post-production. Everything is done based on how much marketing time they need before the episode is, I mean, it is doo, straight through. Yeah. And you're not going to hold that train up. And if you do, you're just going to not work for that casting person again, that company again, and they're just going to trim your coverage. And that's how it goes. Exactly. And, and when you do your job and you make their lives easier, that also gets spoken about. That also is, you know, you may not see it, but they're like, Hey, this was great. You know, thank you. These are, these are things that, that are noticed when you step up and just do what you're supposed to do. Just do your it's, job. It's yeah, yeah. Do your job. Just come in, do your job and leave. No, people, people will, I mean, no, the producers are not going to, I mean, for getting three or four lines right or a couple scenes, whatever, they're not going to necessarily lose their mind over you, but everybody else will. Like you'll have a, uh, like a second AD and, and somebody who's the head of what, they'll be like, man, you were great. Thanks. You helped catch us up for the day. Like you come in at four o'clock, they're two hours behind. You come in, bingo, bango, done. And everybody's like, oh my God, we just saved like 4,000 on overtime for the next, thank you. And people will, they'll say things on the way out. You, you know, I, I, yes, I, I have been uh, knock on wood. I have wood right in front of me. Yes. I have been applauded after literally someone called cut, <laughs> but it doesn't happen often. Right. And it doesn't not happen often, not because you don't good, do a good job. It's just, that is literally the expectation of the job. Right. You know, once in a while, sure. Somebody's like a tough scene or whatever, or thank God, or it's the end of the day or who knows, but but, you know, you can occasionally get some set applause, but your biggest applause is somebody who says, wow, thanks for doing a terrific job and, and, and keeping us on time. That's the greatest compliment you can get doing television. So that's, that's awesome. So what, what is your one tip you want to tell our viewers? What do you want everyone to go away today? Knowing that Kevin E. West said. Ooh. One thing I know from a guy that has 125 hours of material in his head. Kevin's like, have you met me before Peggy? How are you trying to tell me one thing? Well, my simple, my one thing would be, would be if, if you want to work and be paid as a professional, be a damn professional. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, we have 17 year olds that turn pro in sports. 
we have people that are six and seven and eight years old that work in this profession. I mean, if, if a lot of people saw um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if you saw the movie, you know, it, it's not about the movie that I'm making. I'm just drawing an analogy to the little girl that was in the movie that DiCaprio was working with and how she was sitting in a chair and she was reading her lines and said she preferred to be called by her character name. Now that's all cute and movie stuff. But the bottom line is there are kids like that who show up to a set more prepared to work than adults I know. Yeah. And if you're ever curious about it, you can pull it up on YouTube and you can listen to Mark Wahlberg in an interview talking about people who've come that he, that he, he, that have been hired for movies he's done and they show up to set and they're not prepared. He's, what, what are you being paid for? Yeah. So that that's, I mean, that's a, that's a decent starting point of this is a profession. If you want to be paid like a professional, then you have to be a professional. Kevin E. West quote, I'm going to put that on my next Instagram quote, my next Instagram quote. I'm going to say, if you want to be paid like a professional, be a damn professional, yeah. Kevin E. West, because it's true. <laughs> yes, it's it is true. true. And, 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 you know, and the, this, uh, I, I say it all the time, you know, I'm, I'm a Pisces and, and, and I, I'm sensitive that way as an artist and, and people, uh, not from a standpoint of jokes and things, not like what, how people are overly sensitive on the planet now, but I mean more actual real acts of, of betrayal or whatever. Like I can get offended pretty easy with human behavior. Hollywood doesn't offend me and Hollywood has never offended me. And I moved here a long time ago. Because Hollywood is exactly what it is. It's a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation that is interested in utilizing you to make money. Yeah. And you either choose to get on that train that's moving really fast and, and be what it is to take to be on that train, or you're going to get run over. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what education you have. You're, if you're 12, there's an 11-year-old who will run you over. If you're 20, there's a 19-year-old that'll run you over. And if you're 40, the 39-year-old who's been doing this for a long time doesn't care that you came from having built three businesses and made $5 million and you always wanted to be an actor. So you decided to sell everything and come out to Hollywood at 40 and give it a shot. But you know how to be a professional. You do? You know how to be one in this business? Because this isn't the textile industry. This isn't owning a restaurant, and I've been there. And this isn't having your own business. And I've been there. It's a different form of professionalism. And Absolutely. it's a train with a big ass sign on it. And you better learn how to get on it and ride it. So Absolutely. there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't even know what to say after that. That's absolutely 100% true. Cocktails. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> no, I, I, I really appreciate that, Kevin. Um, and these are things that people need to hear and they may not like to hear it. They may want to come on and listen to, oh, we, you, this is a great thing. Do this and, you know, do this and boom, you're going to be a success. But that's not the truth. The truth is work at it, be good at what you do and be a professional. If you want to be treated like a professional, act like a professional. Um, there you go. Act like a professional. 
Um, but you know, for real, it's, it's everything you said is, is, is point on. So I appreciate that. And I think that it's important that people hear truths and not just there's, you know, woohoo here. And, oh, I'm just, you know, I think people have this idea that they're just going to get on TikTok and do a dance and get 3 million followers and then get all these great opportunities. And that may happen, but how long lived is that going to be? And what is that going to do for an actual career? I mean, it may be fun for a while, but, but is that what you want? What, what goals do you have? I think a lot of times I've been talking about this a lot lately. I think people know the answers to the question, but they forget to ask the question. Like they don't know what the question is. And so they're just like, blah, 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 you know, wandering around and they don't have a purpose or a vision or a focus. And they need to really sit down and ask themselves some real hard questions and decide where they're going, what they want to do. And then really with purpose, get there. I, I, I just, I guess I'm, I guess I'm feeling like, geez, people, we had a whole year off to think, what did you do with it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand. But again, you know, uh, how you how you view anything uh, is probably has a lot to do with how you grew up and and how you view something also is combined to how you were infused or talked to about it. Yeah. And so, again, we we just tend in the entertainment world because everything's on camera now except mm -hmm. for podcasts. And even that's on camera. This um, is a podcast now and we're on camera. So. Yeah. We tend to, we, I use the word conflate a lot because that's what we have done. Uh -huh. What has happened in the last 11 years is we have kind of Venn diagrammed everything that relates to the ability to have your image exhibited. I could say projected or shown but i'll use the contract word exhibited anywhere and so that, that's that's a lot of what happens is everyone thinks well why not and i used to make this old joke which no one would get unless they've actually played the sport but i used to say that from a long way away softball and baseball looks the same and when you're up close and on the field it's not even on the same planet so you know, that's, that's what I mean. It's just something that looks like it's associated with, similar to, has some parallel properties. Um, I got this. Until you show up to a real, actual union shoot. And the last place you'd like to learn the truth about that is by getting fired. And I have been on set twice in my life watching someone get fired and it's not fun and no it wasn't me well i'm glad it wasn't you but i imagine not because um i have had the honor of being on set doing behind the scenes or different things and and i'm i'm amazed by how many moving pieces there are how many people it takes to make a, a project succeed and they don't have time to play the game. They are there oh. to do their job. And if you're not there to do your job, then I, I, I can see that that would not have been a fun experience. Um, no, happens every day. Happens every day. Every day, somebody who got hired shouldn't have been hired. 
it happens. But I, I mean, I don't, I try the best I can. Discussing reality is not the same as focusing on negativity. If, if you in this profession take the reality of this profession and the truth of this profession as either too much work or annoying or as a negative, I don't tell somebody not to be an actor. I just tell somebody don't pursue acting for money or for a living. Just do it because you love it. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. So it's my Kevin, general philosophy. I, I really enjoy, I always enjoy hanging out with you and you always have so much wisdom to impart. Where would you like our viewers to find you? What social media, what, um, what would you like to plug? Do you have any, any new things going on? Anything you want to tell us about? Well, I have, I have a couple of new things going on that are in the background that um, I don't need to discuss at the moment. I'm easy to find because the Kevin E uh, is Twitter, Instagram. I, I, I have a TikTok account, but I have some special plans for it that I think might actually involve an accident. I'm not really sure yet. Probably won't look like this. Um, so Twitter and Instagram is, is the Kevin E. And then, of course, uh, you, can, you can pull up uh, KevinEWest.com, which is where all my books are, and or you can find them on Amazon. Uh, those are the easiest places. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, but I, I would say that what is today? May 11th. I would say that um, in about 45 days-ish, the end of June, maybe I'll come back and you'll have me on and I will have a whole bunch to talk about what happened then. I, I'm excited about that and I'm going to hold you to that. Um, I am going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, the end of June, but we can either film right. this right before or right after I get back. Yeah, well, you know, there's no stress going back and going back to my hood, you know. I, I've never been in Atlanta before, so you'll have oh. to. Uh, yeah, yeah, very oh. exciting. So very cool, Kevin. I can't wait to hear uh, because you've been teasing me about this and you won't tell me. So I don't want you guys to think like I'm on the inside and I know what he's going to announce. I still don't know what he's going to announce. So I'm excited about this upcoming uh adventure that's Dang. going to happen so so we're going to hold you to it kevin um you're going to be back on in here in a, a, a next month or so month and a half and we will all be excited to hear that make sure that you follow kevin on social me media the kevin e everywhere all of his descriptions and links will be in the description below i really appreciate you guys following me we are now a podcast you can find us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast make sure you subscribe because apparently that's a really big deal to help me out so do that even if you don't listen to the podcast just go <laughs> subscribe to it that apparently is a thing I don't podcast, but my millennial kids do. And so apparently um, people are really appreciating it. So thanks to them, we're, we're finally, we finally caught up to the, the early 2000s. <laughs> I'm still nice. decades behind, but it's all right. Um, but anyway, um, please make sure you share this with everyone. You know, leave us tons of comments. We love comments, but most importantly, have an amazing week and I'll see you next week. Thanks, Kevin.